Welcome to the Daughters Project podcast. We're so glad you're here. Join us this season as the sisters gather around the mics to share their experiences of God's love through the lens of His sacred word. You can find out more about our work at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter St. Paul. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Daughters Project podcast. I'm Sister Julie Benedicta. I'm Sister Oriane Pietra Renee. And today we are joined by Sister Amanda Marie. Hello, hello. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks for having me. Well, um, do you mind just introducing yourself a little bit to the listeners and maybe talk a little bit about where you're from, maybe a short version of how you met the sisters and kind of where your apostolate is right now? Sure. So hello, everyone listening. (laughs) Again, I'm Sister Amanda Marie. I'm currently stationed in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, Shout out to anyone who knows us from there. (laughs) And I I was born in Pennsylvania, but I grew up in Wisconsin and Arizona. So a little bit of a nomadic (laughs) (laughs) upbringing, Um, but usually claim Wisconsin as my home. Green Bay is, is where my dad's side of the family is from. So I have some roots there. And currently in St. Louis, I am working a little bit as a vocation contact for our community. I also work remotely with our publishing house, and I'm going to school. I'm taking theology (laughs) classes. So it's a good good smattering of activity. Really bored. (laughs) Never. You have so much free time. What is this boredom of which (laughs) you speak? (laughs) And anybody who receives our newsletters would recognize your name and and your face. Mm -hmm. That's true. I make appearances in the newsletter. Yeah. And help yeah. setting that out. So. Yeah. <laughs> Even when she hasn't written them, she has coordinated them. So, <laughs> so we appreciate that. So, yeah, um, I'm excited about today's verse. Me too. Me too. <laughs> it is. I was praying with it this morning and I was like, I'm a little nervous that today's episode is going to become four hours long. <laughs> there is a risk in that. And yeah. I knew that in choosing the verse. But this is the word of God. It's, it's kind true. of it's this endless it's your, and it's expanse Paul. and it's Paul. So no matter what you pick, you're kind of walking into that yeah. eternity. <laughs> so can you explain a little bit about what made you choose this verse? And then um, and then you can go ahead and read it for us. Sure. So um, I'll, I'll start the story and go into the verse and extend the story a little Perfect. bit. Because <laughs> sure. I, um, but I think the verse kind of struck me in a particular way when I was out taking a walk one evening, actually. Um after I had gone to confession earlier that day, and it was one of those confessions that sounded a lot like my previous 20 or 30 confessions. <laughs> sure. Um, I'm sure many of us can relate, where you're just kind of saying the same things over and over, and you feel like you're in a rut. You're mm-hmm. stuck, and you don't – I just felt really trapped in some some habits and some tendencies and, and some sinful inclinations that I just really wanted to get out of but felt like I didn't have the power mm-hmm. to do so. And as I was kind of talking with the Lord about that on my walk in the evening around the neighborhood, I felt like he gave me this verse. It, it really just came into my mind in that moment. And it was like the Lord was giving me this as an answer to that fear and that mm-hmm. anxiety. And it became something that really helped to alleviate some of the fear that I was grappling with. So um, I can dive into the verse and then (laughs) we can kind of unpack it a little bit more together. Let's do it. Okay. So this is from Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. And so um, the Lord says to us through Paul, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. 
For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So the verse in particular that I felt the Lord give me that evening was verse 15. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship. And it was almost like what the Lord was saying to me is that I had this fear that I was going to fall back into these habits Mm -hmm. after that confession that I was trying so hard to avoid. Um, And even this recognition that a lot of our sin, a lot of our struggles come from a place of fear. Like, I'm afraid of what people are going to think about me, so I'm not going to reach out to someone or I'm not going to say what someone might need to hear. (laughs) Um, Or I'm afraid that I'm not going to have enough, so I hold back on being generous Mm -hmm. or all these other fears that kind of drive us to do different things. And and God says, I haven't given you a spirit of slavery to fall into fear. That fear is not from me. And so you don't have to you don't have to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to open up your heart to receive fear that doesn't belong there. Mm-hmm. What I give you instead is a spirit of adoption. I call you my son or I call you my daughter. And that's what I want you to focus on. Yeah. <laughs> is that identity that I have given to you. Mm-hmm. Um and that that fear and that doubt doesn't have to be admitted into your life. And you don't need to act out of that or in response to that. I just want you to reflect me. Mm. I want your life to look like my life, the divine life that I've given you by placing my Holy Spirit within you, um, both in baptism and then that gets renewed in the sacraments and, mm-hmm. and in confession in that case. So I just felt like God was inviting me to shift my gaze away from that place of fear and look look at him as my father <laughs> and receive that identity from him and learn with him how to, how to live out of that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right back. I'm just going to go pray now. (laughs) (laughs) I love that exploration of how that fear is not from him. I think sometimes it can get a little bit tricky because we know that fear of the Lord, the way that we word that is like a fruit of the spirit, really, like it's a gift, but it's not this kind of fear, Mm -hmm. right? And I think so often when we feel fear, we can even feel guilty for feeling fear and not have the tools to deal with it. I remember when I was discerning, it was a very fear-filled time of my life, and I really felt like I couldn't, in the end, make a move until I wasn't scared anymore. And I was like, but I, I, I still feel scared, so I must not actually be fully ready, or I must not fully be able to make this decision properly, or commit to it properly, or make it well before the Lord. And at some point, Jesus really kind of ironed out for me that when he says, do not be afraid— That doesn't mean you cannot feel fear, like Mm -hmm. it's a reality, but don't be afraid. Like, don't adopt that as your state of being. You can act through that or despite that and essentially say yes to God and not to your fear. 
Um, and that's such a really beautiful way of pulling that out is I didn't give you fear. I gave you me. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I gave you myself. You're my child. I'm your father. Yeah. And even that concept of fear of the Lord, that's also rooted in our identity. Mm. Um, I, I had a priest say once, it might have been in a homily, that fear of the Lord and humility are closely related. Yes. And yeah. both of those are connected to our identity, mm-hmm. who we are and whose we are and where we come from. Yeah. And receiving that. The, the fear is like this awe, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this awe yeah. that we gaze upon God and, oh, my goodness, everything that you've given me that I, you know, don't deserve. I've done, done nothing to deserve this, but I just and there is a little bit of a fear in a sense to open your arms to receive everything God wants to give. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's not a it's not the kind of fear that holds us back mm-hmm. from following God. And, mm-hmm. and that that's the difference. In fact, it's kind of the opposite. It's almost a fear of being separated from absolutely, or, yeah. or, absolutely. or like somehow like walking away from or not being close enough to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was I was thinking um just kind of before we get too far into the father thing, because I know that we're probably all going to go down that <laughs> <our own> place. <laughs> but, Ready um, to jump. <laughs> yeah. But this idea of not receiving the spirit of slavery. Mm. And I was thinking like, so our last episode we did with Sister Catherine, we were talking about the Exodus story. It was Ooh. it was Moses and and how the people were being pulled out of slavery. Right. And and not only that, but but Moses received a revelation from God as to who he is. Mm-hmm. And and it was not into a slave master relationship. It was into a different kind of relationship. And it was setting the scene for what Paul is telling us Jesus has given us. So I just I just was like so moved actually by kind of like this progression of spending so much time with Moses and like praying with that whole story and then coming into this scene and looking at God kind of even taking us steps further and how he does that. He does that on the global scale on like doing it with the, with, with Israel and then, um, you know, pulling it into the church and like all these things. But he also does it kind of on the micro scale, mm-hmm. like in our lives, but even more so like moment to moment within our lives. Like as we have these little micro conversions back to him, it is this kind of movement from slavery to sonship. And it's just, I don't know, it's just so beautiful how that is such a theme in everything that God does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I've kind of gathered from praying with this passage, too, is it struck me one time when I was praying with this that the opposite of slavery isn't freedom. It's sonship. Mm-hmm. It's adoption. Mm-hmm. You know, well, when we hear slavery, we'll often think, well, freedom is the opposite of that. And yes, but but here it's presented that I didn't give you a spirit of slavery I gave you a spirit of adoption Mm -hmm. that instead of someone owning somebody else, it's this sense of, well, you are you are mine, but you're my child Mm -hmm. because you're not just off on your own. No, (laughs) like you're my responsibility. Yeah, Yeah. there's freedom that comes with that, with that relationship. But it's a freedom that's steeped in relationship, Mm -hmm. this relationship that God is calling us into. And in the Exodus story was calling the people of Israel into, God calls Israel my son throughout Mm -hmm. the Old Testament. And so that gets extended to us in our Christian vocation, in our Christian life. Mm -hmm. And to live as children, um, that's that's a whole lifestyle and a relationship that's embedded in that. And you you don't earn it. No. You know, nobody earns being a child of somebody else. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a gift. God Mm -hmm. gifts us children. He gives us two parents. Like... Um, 
when I was reading through the the idea of being a debt or being a debtor or being a slave, I actually I was thinking of Little Dorrit. I don't know if anyone has ever read or seen it. It's Charles Dickens. But anyway, everything he writes is super depressing. But he he <laughs> really verbose. yeah, very <laughs> verbose. So I've actually never read the book myself because I have no patience for it, although he is a great master. I've only seen the miniseries. But it's really interesting because in it, Charles Dickens kind of satirizes the the reality of being a debtor in the sense that you're exploring the story of a girl who's basically born in a debtor's prison because her father was imprisoned there for being in debt. But the thing is, people were sent there to pay off their debts, but they weren't allowed to work because they were imprisoned. So it's like this, it's this impossible situation. You are just stuck in this in this place of hopelessness, really. Um, and you can't you can't do anything about it unless you are able basically to like form relationships um, with people outside or people inside to help get you out. Mm. And that relationship forming is almost kind of pointing back to the reality that the society is counter witnessing to that the more important thing is not what you can earn, but like where you really belong, which is not debtor's prison, right? So it was a really beautiful way of kind of mirroring how we don't we're not called to belong to this place of like earning our own place or, you know, being perfect, but we're called to relationship. We're called to belong to one another and ultimately to belong to the Lord, um, which I thought was a really cool way of kind of fleshing that out mm-hmm. in in a real life situation. Yeah. And that relationship that God gives us because he gives it to us. It's not like mm-hmm. like we're born to parents and it just kind of naturally happens. And like hopefully they've chosen to have us there with them. And so they choose to have that relationship with us. But they might not have. <laughs> right. But but God like freely and very actively and very consciously makes the choice mm-hmm. to make us his own. Yeah. And there's something about that is just like so personal. And this idea of like being heirs of God and heirs with Christ, like that is an heir in like that's an inheritance of his relationship with the father. Mm -hmm. And I was one of the things that I always do whenever we get our passages from our sisters um, for for the episode. One of the first things I do is I go and I look in the index of citations in the catechism just to kind of see like what does the catechism say about this particular passage or how is it using this passage to kind of inform church teaching a little bit. Um, It's in the back of the catechism. It's, It's a really useful little tool. And um, I had to stop looking at paragraphs for this one because it was just so many. It's loaded. Uh, but a bunch of them were in the section on the Our Father and mm. specifically on the part where it just is like the, the whole heading is just in quotation marks, Father exclamation point. Mm. <laughs> and I just I love that. First of all, just the fact that that's the heading is yeah. like fantastic. Like daddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But also the idea that it is the spirit in us giving us the gift of participation in Jesus's relationship to the Father. Mm-hmm. But the part that really, really struck me was in paragraph um, 2781. And it says that when we pray to the Father, we're in communion with him and with his son, Jesus Christ. Then we know and recognize him with an ever new sense of wonder. The first phrase of the Our Father is a blessing of adoration before it is a supplication. So it's first Mm -hmm. a phrase of praise, like just sitting in awe and in adoration of God who calls himself Our Father. And then it says, for it is the glory of God that we should recognize him as Father, the true God. 
And again, I'm going to bring it up again, but in Ephesians, when Paul says we exist for the praise of the glory of God, Mm -hmm. like that is the reason why we exist. When we recognize him as our father, when we step into that truth, which is like truth is the the underpinning of both the humility and the fear of God that you were talking about, right? Like our identity has to be rooted in truth. And when we, when we, are able to kind of see that objective truth of who God is and what he is and how he desires to be with us, it is for his glory that we recognize that. And Mm -hmm. so we are actually achieving the goal of our very existence when we recognize him as father. And that's just like, I don't know if you can tell, but that gets me kind of fired up. (laughs) (laughs) I think too, there's, there's such a beautiful exploration there of how just as we're called to that, to that, you know, adoration and giving of glory, um, when a child says like "dada" for the first time, or "papa" or whatever they end up saying for the first time, mm-hmm. how much joy that brings to the dad? Because usually they're like the last person to be named in the family. <laughs> I remember when my, I think it was my youngest brother was little. He, we, we called our parents mother and father for a while, like just because that's I don't know what we did, and he learned how to say mother before he learned how to say dada so he would he would say mother and he would call my dad mothers (laughs) he learned the concept of plurality before he could say father (laughs) it's hilarious and so sometimes we would call him mothers like as a joke that's funny it was so funny but like when you learn how to say like the Mm -hmm. name of your father and to call him that and to call him that in recognition and in love, Mm -hmm. like how much joy that brings to dads. Like if you want to cry, go on YouTube and watch like babies saying mom or dad for the first time. It's (laughs) it's so moving. But to know that that is the joy that we bring to the Lord when we can call him father and call him that honestly, like from our from our soul. And that when we're having trouble doing that, even sometimes before we even know to do it, like the spirit is doing that within us. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so beautiful that the spirit has the words that we don't have. And he's witnessing to that even when we're not sure how to do it because we don't quite have the vocabulary. He does. He mm-hmm. can say father within us and we can trust him to bring us to the point where he teaches our spirit then to witness with his own and to be able to say father with his own is like so powerful. And as you're talking about that and doing like the his spirit within us le- teaching us to do that. I'm imagining a father bent over a toddler, like holding their hands, trying to teach them yeah. to walk, like imitate my movements, you yeah. know, like it goes like this, mm-hmm. you know, and oh, I love that. That's so that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And even a, a few lines down um, after this passage, Paul goes into this idea that we don't know how to pray as we ought. It's the spirit himself who intercedes for us. Mm-hmm. And, and this image of the spirit joining with our spirit to call God Father, that we can ask the Spirit for help in making that invocation. Mm-hmm. If we we can't do it without the help from the Spirit, like even that itself is a gift from God to be able to call God Father and to have that relationship with Him. That relationship is pure gift. But we can ask God for help in developing mm-hmm. that relationship, and we should because yeah. this isn't something that we can navigate through on our own everything is is gift here yeah and to to open ourselves to what god wants to give us and how he wants to teach us his way um and the life that he wants to share with us and how how deeply he wants to be united to us in our life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And even having like an older sibling, in a sense, like Jesus as our oldest brother, like if we don't know how to do it, he'll teach us. Like Mm -hmm. how many older siblings teach their younger siblings to do something correctly or to get into trouble or whatever. They teach the little ones everything they want them to do with them. And Jesus does that for us. Yeah. This is kind of a side note or it's kind of tangential and or it could be a whole other episode. But um, when I was praying with this today and yesterday, the the thing that was kind of jumping out to me in a new way was wondering about Paul's prayer life a little bit. Like, yeah. where did he get all of these insights so absolutely clearly and confidently? Mm-hmm. You know, like what was his prayer like? And we know that he had mystical experiences. You know, mm-hmm. he talks about being caught up to the third heaven and tries to be all humble and pretend it was somebody else, but it was him. <laughs> and like, but it was, it's just, it's so incredible that he's able to articulate these experiences in the way that he does. And obviously the Spirit's helping him to to do this, but mm-hmm. I don't know, I was just kind of like wondering about that, like how he was experiencing this desire of God so powerfully that he could articulate it to strangers, right? like what this was, you know? I was actually praying about that too, actually, because I was really struck how Paul is so clearly a Pharisee. Like he mm-hmm. he knows his scripture inside and out, but it's so clear too that he also knows his God yeah. inside and out. And and those two things coming together, I think, really allow allow him a kind of expression that no one else really has. And I was I was looking back, I couldn't remember the name of the psalm, but I knew it was in there. It's Psalm 42. When the psalmist says, like, deep calls to deep, Mm. and he says that, like, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and by night his song is with me. This Mm -hmm. idea of, like, being guided by the voice of God or having the voice of God within you was something people had experienced for hundreds of years. But Paul, because he had met the resurrected Jesus Christ— could like pinpoint it like yo this is what's going on and and i think that is so amazing how he really brought that full circle and he is really able i think to illuminate the uniqueness of that relationship that we are we enter into at our baptism in a way no one else could it's almost like that psalm 42 fulfilled Mm. in our baptism yeah we were talking about humility a little bit earlier too and Going back to that moment that Paul had on Damascus, when he let Jesus see him mm-hmm. all the way through mm-hmm. to the bitter core. Yeah. <laughs> and and his life turned upside down in that moment. But even just him allowing the Lord to look upon him, that's where it starts, too, is letting God really see us all the way through and experiencing in the gaze of God that it's a gaze of love. Mm-hmm. Even if some nasty stuff gets riled up and I realize, oh, my goodness, yeah, um, it, it's a gaze of love that God is looking at us upon yeah. and to allow him to look and to allow what surfaces to surface. Mm-hmm. And the relationship develops from there. But I, I think Paul, Paul allowing God to look upon him mm-hmm. That's a courageous act right there. <laughs> and it the is. foundation, I would suspect, of of the whole relationship that springs from that and, yeah. and his prayer life that sprung from that and his ministry that sprung from that. Yeah. yeah. I think vulnerability is always going to be the foundation of prayer. Like mm-hmm. it, if the more vulnerable we can be, the more the the deeper our prayer will go. Right. Always and every time. And the less we are inclined to be vulnerable with God the less our prayer is going to be fruitful because we just aren't giving him the space to do what he needs to do. 
And um, can I share? Can I share yet another passage from the Sanctifier? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> the most gone-to book, other than the Bible, in this podcast. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, okay, so in the Sanctifier, which again, I guess I'll just leave that link in the show notes. Um, the there's a chapter called "The Holy Spirit Leads Us to the Father," and I was drawn to that because of the way that this particular verse um, is is really. Pointing out, and I, I was especially drawn to the the part where he said, um, "All all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God." So, mm-hmm. like this this idea of like the Spirit really leading us to the Father, and this idea of like needing to be vulnerable with the Father. In order to be vulnerable with somebody, you have to trust them. You have to know who they are, and I think that that's something that I love about the Sanctifier, this book. Just like. It's so about who God is at his core in a way that we don't necessarily always talk about. Mm -hmm. And this chapter is only like five or six pages long and three pages of it are about God's tenderness. Mm -hmm. And I didn't count the number of times that he says tender. If I had an ebook version, I I totally would search and find out. But it's like a lot. <laughs> um, and it says, okay, so it talks about the human tenderness of Jesus being a reflection of the Father. And then it says, precisely because God is infinite love, he is infinite tenderness. He overflows without measure because he is plenitude without limit. And then a little further down, in God, the abyss of tenderness is one with the abyss of majesty. Our intelligence does not understand, but our heart tells us this is true. So the abyss of tenderness is one with the – like just – I just love that imagery of the abyss. I mean that's one I've prayed with a lot. I had a whole retreat based on the abyss once. And just like we cannot even comprehend the depths or the the greatness of God's majesty. And he's saying that this is the same abyss that is his tenderness. And then he goes on to say – Therefore, when the spirit of adoption in us cries to the Father, we feel our heart dilated and ourselves submerged in an immense ocean of tenderness. We know from the Holy Gospel that whenever the voice of the Father has been heard on earth, it has pronounced the words of tenderness, This is my beloved Son. I have both glorified your name and I will glorify it again. These words tell us of the tenderness of the Father for his only begotten Son, as well as for the children adopted through Jesus and in Jesus. Wow. I just like, I mean, first of all, how many times does he use the word tenderness? There's another, (laughs) there's another, I couldn't find the exact line, but there's another line where, and I think it's actually in a different chapter. So this comes up a lot in this book, but there's another line where he calls, he refers to the immense bosom of tenderness of the Mm. father. And that's just like, like what an image. Like you just want to lay your head on that, you know, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) My goodness, it's just so beautiful. But this vulnerability that he's inviting us to in this relation, this father, fatherly relationship that he's calling us to is not one of like condemnation or purely discipline or any of these things. Like it starts in this place of love, the, the abyss of yeah. love and tenderness. And just like regardless of what our earthly experiences of fatherhood might be like or what sitcom experiences of fatherhood (laughs) might be like or whatever else, like that's the father. Yeah. And that's why I'm so grateful, especially as a convert, like coming from a place where we didn't really have saints per se, like to be able to come into, you know, a, a family where saints are 
celebrated, but also like you get to know them. Mm-hmm. I think that's been so important for me because if you're in a place where you don't know the father, so you're really struggling to trust him, you can look at who he has been mm-hmm. in in the entire past of scripture and in the lives of these people that you might actually be able to say like, hey, that person also had a really miserable upbringing just like me. <laughs> like, like, and or, or point to struggles that they had that you also have to see where God has been tender with them, where God has guided them through really difficult things and say, that person could trust him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to risk my trust on him. Yeah. It, it gives you like a place of, of like a jumping off point mm-hmm. of like, okay, all those people could. I'm going to risk it. I'm going to risk it. And that risk, I mean, technically speaking, it's really not a risk because there's no safer place you could be <laughs> than the hands of the Father. <laughs> but it really does feel like a risk. Yeah. And to be able to take it knowing that so many other people have taken it and been fulfilled in it, I think is so important. And, and it comes with a lot of courage to be able to like risk your trust yeah. on the Lord. Mm-hmm. And even when, when we look to scripture and Paul himself will, will encourage or invite people, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And yeah. it's because Paul, <laughs> look at what God has done for me. He can do the same for you. Mm-hmm. And, and the saints offer that to us. They're like a a living gospel in a sense. We yeah. see the impact of the gospel, the transformative impact of God's love on people's yeah. lives and what God can do and how he can love by seeing the way that the saints have lived and witnessed. And they're mm-hmm. tremendous help for us on the journey. Yeah. Yeah. And we can be that for others too. And not because we're perfect, but I, I remember once I was at a conference and a woman just like very ca- charismatically stood up in the middle of like a discussion and was like, Y'all need to check your attitudes because she and she was like, you might be the gospel someone's trying to read today. Mm. And I was I never forgot that. That was like five years ago now. I never forgot that because it it really did remind me that whether or not people will ever pick up a gospel in, in their lives, your life does reflect who you profess to carry within you and who you do, in fact, carry mm-hmm. within you. And if someone never hears the story of a saint, they they know you like and that's what we're called to be. We're called to be saints. Saints were not perfect in this life. None of them were. They made plenty of mistakes. They even hurt people. But in in their circumstances, people looking at them who knew all of their faults were still able to say, like, man, no, God really was working in them, even if I really don't want to admit it. Like, they were. And I think Father Alberione, who is our founder, he is blessed. He had plenty of faults. Oh, for sure. And they were very widely known. (laughs) And they affected a lot of people. But even the people who, like, you know, were, were the most graded by some of his mannerisms or some of his decisions... They could see that Christ was at work in him mm-hmm. and that he really had this radical trust in the Father's love. And they were able to say, like, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's a saint. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And that's part of the identity that we receive as sons and daughters of God. God is is communicative. He's there to express his love, to give his love. So as his children, we're called to do the same mm-hmm. um, with the help of the Holy Spirit and inspired by the Spirit. That, and that's why you know, we see in this passage, too, that the Spirit bearing witness with our spirit, mm-hmm. like God helping us from the inside out to become more like him in mm-hmm. communicating his love so that others can meet him through us. Yeah. 
Which is super mind-blowing. It is. It's a wild <laughs> vocation. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, but it's also a glorious heritage. And to, yeah. to speak of the being heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, like this is part of the inheritance that we're moving towards too, yeah. is that beatitude, that gazing upon the love of God, and that God would give us the gift in our baptism, renewed through the sacraments, to offer that gift to others here and now. Mm -hmm. That invitation to relationship is amazing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> really amazing and a testament to his love mm -hmm. i just want to break open just a little bit some of the passage that we haven't touched on yet both the whole idea of like not living according to the flesh mm -hmm. but then also the idea of suffering with christ i think those mm -hmm. are important to kind of like pull open just a little yeah, bit because sure. i think they can be really hard to understand yeah um and so i found myself drawn to looking at augustine's sermon mm. on this passage in part because Augustine hung out with the Manichees for a while, right? Like, And so he was like, they were very anti-flesh. Like they were just like, the material is bad. The spiritual is good. Everything's yeah. kind of dualist. And and he held to that for a long time. And so when he was preaching on this passage, he's very clear mm -hmm. about that not being the case, that it's mm -hmm. not that we're saying that the body's bad. Mm -hmm. In fact, we will still have a body mm -hmm. at the resurrection. Like it's going to be purified and perfected. Um, but what he said, he uses this phrase I really kind of love. They bear flesh. They are not born by the flesh. Mm -hmm. So we carry flesh. We're not carried by the flesh. We're not driven by the flesh. And that can be a little bit hard to like not get stuck in thinking that like our body is something separate from us or whatever. But what he's really trying to emphasize there is that he, he's saying like it's not that our flesh is separate from us, but it's that we do not give in to everything that it wants mm -hmm. because – it is it has been corrupted by sin and we have to acknowledge that and i think that one thing that i was really praying with is just how much it's easy to fall into a forgetfulness of how real the sacraments are mm. because we are not natural persons if we have been baptized we are supernatural persons we're actually a different creation from what we were born as and Sometimes I think sometimes we shy away from that because we don't want to offend somebody who's not been baptized. But actually, I think we should just be like encouraging them to want to be baptized more. Yeah, you can know? be a new but, like, creation too. Yeah, it's not that like it's exclusive. Like you're invited to join us, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes that's part of it. Sometimes I think there's just a hesitation because we don't necessarily experience a big difference between mm -hmm. pre-baptism yeah. and baptism. But that doesn't mean it's not real and it's not true. And I was thinking about that a little bit. And I was thinking it's kind of like – when you have a difference in a state of life, you have to learn to think differently, mm -hmm. right? Like when we enter the convent or when a person gets engaged or gets married, you have to learn to think about your relationship differently. You have to learn to think about your responsibilities differently. It's it's different trying to live a life of chastity versus having a vow of chastity. Those are two different things, you mm -hmm. know? We're, and it's not just about like, you know, sexual intimacy or impure thoughts or any of those kinds of things. It's about my entire capacity to love is now God's. It's his property. Mm -hmm. I've given it to him. And it's a different way to think about things. So I was just kind of thinking about like just the way that those relationships change and how it takes time to get out of habits of of relating in a particular way or thinking in a particular way or even like acting i don't know just like does that is that making sense yeah Sorry, it's, I feel it's like a I great no it's, <laughs> no it's a great point and an important distinction and mm -hmm. i think 
it, elsewhere in his letters, Paul encourages us to put on the mind of Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, what is what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, one way to look at that, I think, is to go back to this this idea that we explored a little bit earlier of you have not received the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You've received the spirit of sonship. Well, which spirit am I accepting mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. what am I living out of? And it does take some training to recognize this is not what God has given me. This is this yeah. life um, that is driven by the spirit, that's inspired by the spirit, um, a life of, of faithfulness to what God has asked. Like those kinds of things are the the path, the way that God has laid out for us. And he gives us the ability to live that. And but it but it does take take some time to kind of yeah. and, and some mental exercises, honestly, some mental discipline mm-hmm. yeah. to to think that way and and to profess the faith that God is giving me the grace to live the vocation that he's calling me to and the life that he's calling me to. There's an act of faith involved in that yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. And it's the reason we say, like, I'm a practicing Catholic. It's There's a reason <laughs> we use the word practicing. It's not just because in practice I am living it out, but also I am practicing in the true sense of the word of, like, I don't quite have it 100% down yet. <laughs> it's, it's so, like, I, I even remember, like, when some of my guy friends became dads for the first time, mm-hmm. Them saying, like, I don't know how to be a dad, mm. but they are a dad, mm-hmm. right? So they have to practice every day being a dad and maybe not the way their fathers were or maybe the way their their fathers were, depending on what their own experience was. And as they practice it, it starts to become part of their identity. Yeah. And and that is so beautiful. That's not it's not a fake thing. It's a real thing. It's a beautiful thing. Um and Paul deals a lot with that in terms of the mind, in terms of the spirit, and in terms of the body. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite quotes is from Galatians 6, and he says, like, I bear in my body the marks of Christ. Like, Paul's very aware that the body is not a bad thing, and he, he celebrates mm-hmm. it on multiple occasions. But to really be able to say, like, no, I bear Christ in my soul, in my mind, and in my body, all of those things, and all of those things we practice with, all of those things are parts of who we are. Um, and together, all of that will be resurrected on the last day, right? Yeah. Like all of it will be purified. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And it is for that reason that our suffering can be sanctified and united to Christ. Yes. It is for it is because we are now supernatural creatures. Mm-hmm. We are going to suffer in this life. Mm-hmm. Jesus said so. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> but take care. <laughs> I have overcome the world, right? Like he's taken – it on he has like he's he's I don't know what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. he's he's like made the difference that needs to be made so that we can become supernatural creatures so that as Paul says a little bit later in this chapter in everything God works for good for those who love him mm-hmm. like everything God works it to good so even our suffering can be united to Christ in such a way that we share in his glory God is working that to good yeah and um, so I just thought it was kind of important to kind of look at those two pieces. Partly I think they're really related mm-hmm. um, because the more that we get stuck in allowing our flesh to reign, the more we're going to suffer in a way that's not united to Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's it's that's that's kind of the practice piece mm-hmm. is yeah. like how do we – this is why we have – Years and years and years of formation <laughs> in religious life or in seminary. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just – it's it's such a huge 
such a huge undertaking and it's one that God is like desiring for us to just be vulnerable, to fall into his abyss of tenderness and to allow him to show us the way to do that so that he can glorify us so that we can glorify him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When we fall into those places where we're just feeling discouraged, discouragement is not from God either. Mm -hmm. Hope Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. Right. I really love too how Paul pulls out the idea that if we are heirs, we are heirs with Christ and therefore he suffered. So we must suffer. He says it in in verse 17, like provided Mm -hmm. we suffer with him, Mm -hmm. like provided, like that's the actual, that's the key difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that to me is actually really beautiful because that means that we are never alone in our suffering, Mm -hmm. that Christ is suffering in us, with us, alongside us. He's gone before us. He's going behind us. Like literally we are not alone and that that suffering can be conformed to him. Like we are conforming ourselves to him. I think it's it's easier to say like, oh, I want to be conformed to Christ who let the children come to him. I want to be <laughs> conformed to that Christ who like healed all these people. And we do. We are also saying yes to Christ being born in us who suffered in Gethsemane. Yeah. Like we're saying yes to the Christ who was whipped at a post. We're saying yes to that confirmation, conformation, conforming of Christ who like dragged across up to Calvary and needed help because he was so weak he literally couldn't even do it. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we're saying yes to. Mm-hmm. And we're saying yes to out of love, knowing that united to him it is salvific. It has an influence not only on our own future but on the future of those around us. Yeah. And not to underestimate that, like we affect the people around us we do. Yeah. And the end like the the goal, the, the the concluding, <laughs> you know, when the when it's all said and done, mm-hmm. what we receive is a share in God's own life. Yeah, like we receive God Himself. So there's like not even anything. I mean, in Scripture multiple times compares this life to labor pains. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it's like, and then it passes, and then the gift. Yeah, and. And it's not to say that those pains aren't real, mm-hmm. but it's to say that there's something so much more that comes after. Mm-hmm. And the child is present with the labor pains. Yes. The right. gift is yes. there. Right. Yes. <laughs> and as you were saying, too, like we're not suffering alone. No, we also have the spirit in us. It's mm-hmm. not like the spirit's just like, I'm just going to be in this part of you, my dear, because over <laughs> yeah. here there's no suffering. So you're going to go do that by yourself and I'm going to hang over in this part. Yeah. Like, no, the Holy Spirit is with us and in us and permeating our entire being and accompanying us in every mm-hmm. experience that we have. I have more notes, but this is long already. <laughs> Romans. Romans, man. Romans is great. The whole thing. The whole thing Best is read so with good. a commentary because Definitely. it's, um, it's complicated. But and it's, extremely slowly and multiple times. Yeah. But it's brilliant. It is. It really is so good. <laughs> it was our founder's favorite letter of St. Paul. Yeah. yeah. It, it really is a, a commentary mm-hmm. of the Gospels. It like, is. In the mm-hmm. Gospels, we, we see Jesus and we hear his teachings and what he did for us. And in, in Romans and in the other letters of Paul, too, Paul is basically saying, and this is what it means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what it did yeah. mm-hmm. and what it means for us now mm-hmm. and how we participated in it now. Yeah. One time I was at a mass. Um, I think it was like a... It was something where, like, the newly confirmed kids were being invited to participate in the liturgy. And so one of them was reading. And so he's this young kid. I think he was, like, ninth or 10th grade. And he gets up to read. And it was a letter to the Thessalonians. But he gets up to read and he announces it's a reading from the second letter of Paul to the theologians. (laughs) 
And we were kind of <laughs> laughing about it afterwards. And, and somebody said, oh, I'd really love to, to read that letter, you know, and I kind of was thinking about it. And I was like, kind of that's Romans, yeah. isn't it? Like, yeah, like Paul's letter to the theologians is kind of Romans. It's mm-hmm. kind of his like summing up everything all in one and kind of it's kind of the capstone of his of yeah, his writing. He's presenting yeah. a full it's a full presentation of the faith. Yeah. Of, yeah. of the good news. It's mm-hmm. so beautiful. So if you've never read of Romans, um, set aside some time and kind of work through it a little bit slow. It's good stuff. Yeah. So sisters, should we go around and each share our one little takeaway that we'll we'll be walking away from this conversation with? Mm-hmm. I think for me, Paul is referring to a bit of a battle that's going on interiorly for him with with the flesh versus the spirit and the flesh meaning fallen human nature, our tendency to sin, those kinds of things that separate us from God. But he's inviting us to lean into the power of the spirit and really to trust that the Holy Spirit is there to deliver us. And that message of trust in God, in his love, in his goodness, in his providence in the grace that he offers us to be able to live as his children is an invitation that that we can continue to, to take with us, that I can continue to take with me and to grow in and deepen as, as a gift of God um, that, that I can do my part to cultivate by making those acts of faith, those acts of trust and renewing that in my prayer, in my daily life when I find myself struggling just to remember that the Holy Spirit is at work and inviting me to cooperate with him. I think for me, it's this idea of being given the spirit of adoption and therefore becoming a co-heir with Christ, like becoming a sibling of Christ. And I just really feel invited to kind of pray with the reality of having an older sibling, <laughs> because I actually don't in real life, <laughs> and and really being able to explore what does it mean for Jesus to be my big brother um, before the gaze of the Father. So, yeah, that's something I'm going to explore a little bit more after. I think for me it's kind of this theme that's coming out of just like wanting to enter more deeply into the truth and into the reality of like who I am before God and who God is to me and how it is that he desires to have relationship with me as a father, as a savior, as a, as beloved, as the spirit living within me, all of these things and just kind of like recognizing that the the closer I draw to the truth of that, it's not just like a fun thing to study, but it's actually like an act of adoration and it's an act of praise. And, and it has like ramifications that I can't totally wrap my head around. And uh, I feel like I just want to spend some more time kind of sitting with that. So we thought maybe we could close with uh, just simply within our Father. So let's just take a moment to um, place ourselves even more intentionally in the presence of our Father to allow him to look upon us with his gaze of tenderness and to just kind of silently and within our hearts make a, a little act of, of trust in his love for us. Our Father, who art Lord in heaven, in heaven hallowed, hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy kingdom, kingdom come, thy, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. 
Jesus, Master, way, truth, and life, have mercy on us. Mary, Queen of Apostles, pray for us. St. Paul the Apostle, pray for us. From all sin, deliver us, O Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Sister Amanda, for coming to be with us. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) This is awesome. All right. Thank you so much to everybody for listening, and we will see you in two weeks. Bye. God God bless. bless you all. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is a fruit of the Daughters Project. This initiative of the Daughters of St. Paul to spread the gospel online is made possible by our generous Patreon supporters. Consider joining us in our mission by contributing to Patreon today. You can find us at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter St. Paul. God bless you.